Amen. Well, thank you, praise team. That was, that was awesome. So, anybody a little warm in here? Ah, I didn't think you'd noticed. Uh, I had a youth leader back when I was 16 years old, and we had this little side room, the 9th and 10th graders in our youth program, and one night, uh, I would go early and help set up, but one night he cranked the heat to, like, unbearable, and I was like, man, his name was James Bond, was actually his name, really, legitimate. And uh, I said, well, what, what is going on? It's blazing. And he said, well, I'm going to talk about hell tonight. <laughs> and I promise I'm not doing that to you this morning. That's not our focus. But uh, uh, the word has gone out to the school or to the uh, headquarters. So hopefully this will be the last week we deal uh, with, with this heat. So uh, because of that, I'm going to knock like two minutes off the sermon for you. I just like, it's only fair. It's only fair that I do that for you this morning. So it's only it's only fair. So, um, can I just tell you, and I want to pray for you and then jump into it. God's not done with you this morning. So, if, if you've already kind of experienced uh, something, if God spoke to you already, if God has said something and you've already thought you escaped his voice, he has something to say to you. So, I want you to really focus in in the next 30 minutes as we walk through this. And I want, every time I ask a question of you in the message, I want you to really process it from a practical standpoint of what does it really look like in your, in your heart and in your life. Don't give yourself just a churchy yes. Make sure you process it. You do that for me, I'll, I'll work really hard in the next half hour to, 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 uh, to do well for you in this message. Let me pray for you. Father, I just uh, know that you have a, a word that you need to speak to, to everyone in here. And it doesn't matter where we're at on the spiritual journey from, uh, from somebody who's not a believer yet to somebody who's been a believer for years and walking with you. You have something you want to speak and challenge us. But I just, Lord, specifically think that there's a, a group of people that are unsettled about this issue of an anchor for their soul that, that you need to especially speak a little louder to this morning, Lord. So would you do that? And would uh, you do it the way your spirit always does it from this this thoughtful, creative, and loving way. We pray it in your son's name. Amen. What you're looking at on the screen, this is uh, an anchor. You might have figured that out, out already. This is the supreme anchor. Now, I did a little anchor research this week, the different brands and what they do. And, you know, if you've ever noticed, they're shaped very different. And so I did a little research, and this was actually the number one effectively rated anchor right here. So, uh, like some of you own these little boats, you know, this would, this would be your, your job. This would be, it would be overkill, but uh, that boat would never move, apparently. Um, that's what I learned this week. Um, testing the holding power, this particular brand, and this model especially, won all the awards regarding trustworthiness and the holding power of an anchor. So, there you go. That's your tidbit of anchor information this morning. Um, I, I think, really, you can only appreciate, like, an anchor's holding power or that supreme anchor if you've ever been in a situation where you really needed an anchor, right? Let me share a little story. This was a, a pastor in Chicago wrote this. It's a snippet from his book. Here's what he says. Many years ago, I took six men from my church sailing for a week on a sailboat in the Caribbean. Man, that's a nice pastor gig there. So, Late one afternoon, after checking the weather and learning that the conditions would be calm, my friends and I looked for a place to anchor for the night. We found out, an out-of-the-way rocky cove and thought this was perfect. There were shallow waters all around we could snorkel in. 60-foot rocky cliffs were the backdrop, and there were sea turtles swimming all around. We had found our place. So we dropped our anchor, and it dug into the point that I was satisfied with it. 
We all snorkeled, had dinner on the boat, and after gazing at the stars for a while, all the guys headed to, uh, to bed. I, meanwhile, took my flashlight, wanting to double and triple check the anchor line, making sure it was secure and not chafing on anything. I felt an immense responsibility for the borrowed boat and the well-being of my invited guests. I checked and rechecked and went to bed. About 3 a.m., I awakened by the howling wind that sounded like a jet engine. As the wind continued, getting stronger and louder, the waves now began to build. I headed up on deck and realized we were pinned into this rocky cove. I was joined on deck by Jim, and for four hours, all we could do was sit in the cockpit and pray that the anchor would hold. Otherwise, we would be thrashed against the rock wall, most likely leading to our doom. About four hours later, at daybreak, the storm subsided, and we gave praise that by the grace of God, that anchor held. Now, you can imagine your deep appreciation, hmm, deep appreciation for anchors if you had ever been in a situation like described in this story. So, you might be wondering what's all the talk about anchors, especially knowing your pastor is not like much of a boat guy um, at all. Well, it's because of this, like, this really cool passage I want to read to you this morning, and I want it to be our focus. It comes from Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19. Let me read it to you. We have this hope as an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. We have this hope that there's this anchor that will hold, and it is firm and secure, is what the, uh, I'm not sure what to do different here. What am I doing, guys? Will that work? It's my hair. That's really funny. Really funny. All right. I mean, where was I even? All right. Anchor, full, firm, secure. All right. Um, what this is actually conveying to us is that no matter where you're at, using this metaphor, no matter where you're at in your life, however chaotic your world might get, I mean, whatever discomfort you might walk through, circumstances get bad, no matter who disappoints you or who betrays you or who even leaves you, no matter what the economy looks like or no matter how disappointed you get in things, that there's one thing in this life that you can have a guarantee that all day long and even through the deepest night of the soul, it will hold. And that is this anchor described. And it's a right relationship with God and that you have full faith in him. That's an anchor that will hold is what Paul is describing, or excuse me, the writer of Hebrews is describing in scripture. And the anchor is going to hold. So before we move on and, and you head your way this afternoon, I, I want to get real personal with you for just a few minutes. So kind of like, not as your pastor, but kind of as your friend chatting you, you know, like the guy next door who cares about your life. And I want to ask you this question. Are you absolutely sure that God is the anchor for your soul? Uh, have you settled this question in your life? I mean, do you know this for a matter of fact in your life? Many of you have asked like God to forgive your sins. You've had that moment in, in your life. Many of you have asked God to guide your life. But when you lay your head at night on the pillow, I mean, do you just say with total confidence, I am securely connected to the eternal Father? That no matter what happens in my life, I have so much faith in him. I'm so connected. I depend on him so much that, that you know, I have this rock that no matter what comes my way, I have an anchor that holds. 
And if you're living that kind of, uh, with that kind of confidence, it really helps you walk through life totally different. It'll help you face death differently. I've sat on the deathbed with some who have this anchor. You hear the Holy Spirit say, look, God's got this. He's an anchor and he's going to hold. It's having the security that you may know the verse from Paul where he says, peace that passes all understanding. That's what we have. It's this calmness in your inner person regardless of the storm, regardless of the circumstance that you might be working through. to the side and we get a little confused about what is the next step God would have for us or what does he really want me to do or did I misunderstand him from the beginning where we recognize we have this anchor that holds. So in our next few minutes, I want to briefly describe three like terrible storms that people went through, three different people went through. And I want to tell you about what they did and how their anchor held. So the first one is found in the Bible from the Old Testament book named after the main character. The guy's name is Job. Now get this. In a matter of just a few short days, about everything that Job had, everything that, that he owned and was his possession was torn away from him. Poachers came in and they uh, came in the middle of the night and they stole all his cattle. It was gone. Uh, we find that a terrible storm kills all of his sheep. And then get this. Um, this wind comes rushing across the desert and it hits, if you can believe it, a house that's housing all 10 of his children who are kind of gathered for a get-together. And that night, all 10 of his children are killed. I mean, if that's not bad enough, Job's inflicted with this terrible skin rash and it's so bad that the scripture tells us he takes pieces of broken pottery and he starts scraping the top layer of his skin on his arms and his legs. This guy is in absolute physical and emotional agony. Can you imagine the storm that he's going through? Now, Job's wife was a great encouragement, if you know the scripture. Uh, she turned to him, if you remember the words, and this was her counsel, curse God and die. That's just what I think you should do, Job. She's a, a real cheery gal. And do you remember Job's response in the story? Job looks at things totally different. You know, he looks at this and he says, look, God gave me these things and God can take away these things. And then the key phrase that we find in Job chapter 1, he says, blessed be the name of the Lord. That's an amazing, incredible verse, even more incredible in light of the context that it's written in, that Job says, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away, blessed be the name of the Lord. It's amazing faith there. Now, Job's not making light of his losses. It's not like um, he's in the state of denial that none of this stuff happened to him. Read the scripture in the book of Job, and you'll see that he dealt with this, and he agonized over what he was going through. But using this metaphor of an anchor, Job basically is saying here, despite this terrible, terrible storm that I'm walking through, where I've lost nearly everything that's dear to me, worse than anything I could ever imagine, my anchor has held despite all of this. My connection with God has held 
and I'm trusting that anchor that's holding. And sure enough, the storm did pass, and Job's anchor did hold. And we find near the end of the book of Job that God rewards him with this in his remarkable faith. We find that he gets ten more children and great-grandchildren and grandchildren and just a ton of children come his way. And I wonder like, if at this family gatherings, did, did Job years later call everyone together and say, hey, I want to tell you about the time when I dealt with the worst storm of my life. And I want to tell you about how I got through it. And I want to tell you about my trust in God. And I want to tell you about why I'm still here today. And I want to tell you about the anchor that held. This would be an incredible testimony for his family, for generations and generations, that would be available that God can be the anchor for the storms in your life. So I want to ask you the question again this morning. I want you to wrestle with the answer. Are you absolutely sure that God is the anchor for your soul? Have you decided this in your spirit? Have you dealt with this and settled this in your heart in the confidence of your inner being that he's the anchor for your soul? Story number two comes from this other guy from uh, the pages of the Old Testament. Now, unlike Job, this guy had an unrelenting storm the whole years of his adult life. Just constant and constant. Job had this one huge storm event, and for the most part, from what we can tell in Scripture, it returned to the calm when the storm had passed. But this guy, Jeremiah is his name, we find that the storm rolls into his life, and it is storm after storm after storm, year after year after year, because he stood for God, and he spoke the words of God, and it was just never received well anywhere that he went. And so he dealt with these difficulties. He's arrested many times. He's publicly ridiculed. One time he's thrown into a cistern, and he's just kind of left for dead. People just walked away and said, find your way out. That's what goes on in Jeremiah's life. So this lasted his entire adult life. If you want to read in scripture, just read some of the book of Jeremiah. Some shows up in other places, and and you'll find this story. Near the end of this very difficult life, even, this neighboring country, they come and they drag him away, and he is now a slave for the rest of his days. You know, so much for a enjoying, relaxing retirement. And yet, at the end of this incredibly difficult, terrible adult life, he writes these words that are some of my favorite in Scripture. They come from Lamentations chapter 3. Because of the Lord's great love, for uh, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait on him. It's Jeremiah's way of saying, look, the circumstances in my life have been terrible. They've actually been lousy the whole time. But, using the metaphor, I have this anchor. And this anchor has rooted in and it has held. I've never been adrift in my life. I've never been without hope in my life. I never felt abandoned or alone. In fact, he testifies, Jeremiah, to to that God would give him every morning of this stormy life, that God would send him this private little message of hope, new mercy, fresh love, fresh grace. Just a little reminder each and every day that God was indeed with him and was watching over him, and God was for him. And he says at the end of this rough life, my anchor held in God. So I want to ask you uh, again this question 
this morning. Are you absolutely sure that God is the anchor of your soul? Do you have the faith in him that your anchor will hold no matter what you may go through? Some of you, you might, you might face a storm starting this afternoon. Some of you, you just got the news of the storm and you're walking through it. For most of us, probably we have no idea where the next storm is coming from. We don't even know what it's going to look like. But it's going to hit and it's going to hit hard. What does your anchor look like? Last story, and you may have heard this story or read this before. It's about a storm that gave birth to a song that we're going to sing in just a few moments. It's about a very wealthy Chicago lawyer who is practicing a, a very successful law firm in downtown Chicago. And he's really living the dream, actually. He's got five wonderful kids, he's got a beautiful wife, and he's got, like I said, a very successful law practice going on. And he's prominent in the Chicago area. Then one of his five children uh, get, develops a fever. And after days and weeks of this fever, he can't stave it off, and unfortunately the little boy dies. So this, this lawyer loses his only son, the other four are girls. And after reeling from the grief of this, the great Chicago fire sweeps through and destroys most of downtown Chicago, including nearly all of his investments and his law practice as well. Loses, loses it all. So to try and kind of regroup and recuperate, he puts his family on a boat and he sends them across the sea uh, to really to get away from it all. And he was going to join them later after finishing some loose ends, really for a much needed vacation and regrouping time. So he's attending some business loose ends, but he'll take a later boat. And the ship, with his wife and his four daughters, it collides with another ship in the Atlantic, and all four girls are killed. And the wife writes a letter back to her husband and says, all the girls are gone, I alone survived. But can you imagine dealing with that? Dealing with such a thing? So the lawyer gets on a ship. And he heads out over the Atlantic to be with his grieving wife. And as he's heading across the ocean, the ship approaches this area where the two ships collided and his girls perished. And looking at the sea, the water, he goes into his stateroom sobbing and he writes these lyrics. Here's some of them. When peace like a river attends my way, he says, sometimes things go well. You know, saying sometimes there's no complications. Sometimes things are running very smoothly. Or when sorrows like sea billows roll. When the waves of disappointment or the waves of loss or discouragement or fear. I mean, these are like huge waves. And when they're just pouring over top of you over and over and over. Whatever my lot, whatever my circumstance, whatever God has put in front of me, you, God, have taught me to say it is well it is well with my soul. Which another way of saying in the worst storms, he's saying I have an anchor that holds. It's going to hold. And the second verse is maybe the most impactful that we don't often sing. He says, through, though the evil one, uh, though Satan should buffet. I mean, think of that as like Satan just like hurling down punches upon you. Though Satan should do that, let this blessed assurance control the Christ that Christ has regarded my helpless state Christ sees the state I'm in he knows exactly what's going on in my life and he has shed his blood for my soul 
This is just another way of saying Christ is so trustworthy that not only did he go to the cross, but he's, if he's done all that in the, in the logic of the lawyers, if he's done all that, then he must certainly stay behind to anchor and ground our life. For Horatio Spafford, who wrote this, he says, if the blood redeems us, then you better believe the anchor is going to hold us as well. So, uh, friends, church, I want to ask you one last time this morning, are you absolutely sure that God is the anchor of your soul? Do you have an anchor for your soul? Do I need to remind you that other anchors don't hold very well? Do we even need to know that? That money makes a lousy anchor. One recession, one bad investment, one downturn, and it's gone, and we, we feel silly forever putting our trust and hope in money. Fame, popularity, you know it's so fleeting it goes away. Maybe following the latest trend, styles, to be the next, you know, whatever, never holds. Never holds. Your career, many of us love our careers, but they don't make for a great anchor. One period of layoffs or one merger, one buyout, things can change just like that. A new boyfriend, a girlfriend, fiance, those are incredible blessings from God. They don't make for great ultimate anchors. In fact, people were never designed to be an anchor for your soul, not for your soul. I think deep in our hearts, when I process it this week, we all really know that God is the only anchor that can really hold in our life, an anchor for our souls. And I ask you, do you you want that? Do Do you need that today in your life? Do you need to resettle that today, that God indeed is my anchor I get to church or I sing some Christian songs. Caleb plays every once in a while. But letting him be the anchor for my soul is something totally different. It's my locked-in dependency on him. And there's certain times in my life when I have a feeling that I have to have this defining decision point, like this declaration. Like I grab the family together and say, hey, from now on we're going to do this. And we verbally say it out loud. There's times when I I feel like I've got to get something settled in my life. And I've got to make it known that I'm settling this today. And so I've been praying all week that this morning every single person here would have something settled in their life. That no one would go away wondering who's the anchor of my soul, what does that look like in my life. But you would have it settled and grounded here today. In fact, my prayer is that you would make that declaration very clear. I'm declaring this today even before my church family. And so I'd, I'd like to ask in the next few minutes, um, as we sing this song, as we work through this, um, I want you to just really sing this first verse and let God just speak to you about what he wants you to get settled and the question I've asked you many times. When we're done singing the first verse, I want to share with you just a, a couple more seconds, and then we're going to finish off and sing this song together before we pray and and finish our time in in the Word. Let's sing together this first verse.
Now, if you wouldn't mind, I told you I was going to get personal with you. I want to ask if you would, if you would just bow your head and close your eyes, and let me just talk to you a couple minutes here. I just want you to be able to focus and make a decision for God here this morning without worrying about the person next to you or the atmosphere around you or what's going on. Don't worry about your kids down the hall or, or what's happening at home. This is between you and him. This is about you and God. How many of you have been through a storm? You know what I'm talking about this morning. How many of you have felt these sorrows like sea billows rolling, or they're rolling right now? How many of you ever realized that when I was talking today that you understand the concept of having an anchor for your soul, but you've never settled it in your own life? Or you may need to settle it afresh this morning, where you go like, oh man, I, I need to make a declaration. I need to say something that's definitive in my life that I can put a date on and say, that's the day this got settled in my soul, whom my anchor is. Now, I know this is a little vulnerable for you this morning, and, but I want to encourage you now, if, with your eyes closed, if that's you and you're making this declaration in your heart, if you're settling something about God being the anchor for your soul this morning, would you just slip up your hand? for me. Just, I mean, just raise it up high. Say, I, I'm, I got to settle this, and I'm going I'm to resettle it right now. I mean, just boldly stick your hands up. Don't, don't worry about the person around you. Raise them to God, saying, I, I make this declaration. Yeah, many of you. Many of you. Yes. Amen. So in a minute, we're, we're going to start singing this song. And I want to ask you something. I want to ask you to do something even more bold. If you, if you raise your hand, I, I want to encourage you as we start singing this. I want to encourage you to just come and come to the altar here and kneel and pray. You don't need to be nervous, embarrassed. You're settling something before God this morning. And I want you, just the words of this song as we sing the next three verses to be ministering to you and speaking to you. And then I want to pray specifically for those who said, I stuck up my hand and I I settled this in my life today. Maybe this morning you're like, "Um, I didn't raise my hand, but I know this is for me. As we're singing at any point, just come. Come and kneel. Let's make a declaration together before God this morning. Say